Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's sermon podcast. As we approach God's Word, let's take a prayerful breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Listen to God's Word this day. Gracious and holy God, in this uncertain world, we open our hearts to listen to your Word. As we root ourselves in rituals that anchor us, may your Word speak a resounding message of hope and assurance. We are attentive, drawing near to you, seeking your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, our source of strength and fulfillment, we pray. Amen. Our scripture for today is from the Gospel of Luke, reading from the second chapter, verses 21 through 38. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child. And he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and praying, night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child, to all who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us pray. O holy God, through your holy words, speak to us now. Let the words I speak be your words. Let the words that are said this day be received fully into our hearts into our minds, and into our spirits. Speak to us now, O God. Amen. So while we are still in this season, I can still say to all of you, Merry Christmas. Christmas. And of course, today is also New Year's Eve, which means I can also say to all of you, Happy New Year. It has been just seven days when we gathered by candlelight to celebrate the birth of Christ, God's Son, our Savior. 
This is actually a little fitting because our story that Nelson read for us takes place eight days after the birth of Christ. Now throughout December, we have been preparing ourselves to make room to welcome Christ into our hearts by honoring all that our hearts are already carrying. Weariness or joy, amazement or hope, there is space for all of it this Christmas season. How does a weary world rejoice? We sing and we pray. We witness and watch in awe. We rejoice together. We cry together. We pray and hope with intensity. But we don't do this just in Advent or Christmas, right? Or at least we shouldn't. Every Sunday, we come to this place with our hearts full of both joys and hurts to find a way to rejoice in a weary world. Every Sunday, we come to this place to make meaning of our lives and find strength for our journeys. Every Sunday, we come to this place to worship with our siblings in Christ, knowing that we are never alone. Every Sunday, we come to this place to raise our voices in glory by singing familiar and beloved songs. Every Sunday, we recite liturgy and prayers to give words to our hopes and fears. Every Sunday, we come to hear God speak to us through scripture and sermon, all of it as God's word. Every Sunday, we are making room for Christ to be known in our lives so that we can make Christ known in the lives of others. Every Sunday, we are rooting ourselves in rituals because rituals can provide order and meaning in a weary world that often feels beyond our control. In our scripture reading today, we find a young family at the heart of a weary world narrative. Here, Mary and Joseph are new parents to the Christ child, journeying into the unknown of parenthood. Eight days after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph circumcise their child and give him the name Jesus, as was commanded to them. They return to the temple in Jerusalem to enact the sacred birth rituals of their culture and tradition. And in the midst of this observance, the unexpected occurs. A man named Simeon, guided by the Spirit, enters the temple to proclaim Jesus as the light of revelation. Following him, a prophet named Anna approaches, praising God and speaking about Jesus to everyone longing for redemption. In this story, we see the power of ritual. The power of ritual in marking a sacred turning point in the lives of these young parents. Even though Mary and Joseph might have been weary from all that has happened so far and all that will lie ahead, these sacred rituals and those who bore witness to them offered encouragement and strength for their journey. 
But what do these ancient rituals mean for a 21st century congregation? Well, first, we have to understand that rituals are not confined to the pages of scripture or the walls of ancient temples. Rituals that live with each of us in our daily routines, in our shared celebrations, and in the ways in which we even grieve. Rituals provide structure to celebrations, losses, and transitions. Rituals bring meaning to our lives, especially when our futures often seem uncertain. They can help us make sense of confusing or ambiguous, daunting or difficult chapters in our lives. And while we may not always associate rituals with joy, perhaps we can find joy in the meaningful ways we choose to mark and celebrate our lives through rituals. In 2014, the Reverend Cecilia D. Armstrong delivered the eulogy at her father's funeral. She spoke of her father as a great giant. Rev Armstrong described him as one of those guys who just helped wherever he was needed. However, he would never just come and do things for you, but rather he would show you how to do it yourself because he never wanted to return and do that same task for you again. Rev Armstrong described her father as the epitome of the saying, give a man a fish and they will eat for a day. Teach a person to fish and they will never go hungry. She said that her father believed in planting seeds that would grow in the very people who would be here long after he passed away. Rituals are one of the ways in which we plant seeds in our lives and in the lives of the generations to come. Think about it. Even the experience of burying a seed in dirt, a seemingly weary task, can produce something beautiful in time. Even in the most difficult or challenging of times, rituals can comfort us guiding us through the dirt, so to speak, and help us bloom. Rituals have the power to bring joy even in times of great weariness. They provide comfort, solace, and a sense of belonging. Now, right before Christmas, I asked on my Facebook page for churchgoers, both FPCA members and beyond, to share stories of attending church or rooting themselves in ritual, to share stories of attending church following a significant life event. Consider the rituals you hear in these stories. A friend of mine from North Dakota shared a story about the strength and resilience of her congregation when they returned to their church following a devastating church fire. The new building that they entered stood as a powerful testament to their faith and their resolve, a symbol of their commitment to the rituals they had as a congregation and a beacon of hope in a weary time. A member of this church shared a story of worshiping on All Saints Day following the death of his father. 
When singing, I sing a song of the saints of God with tears streaming down his face, he was given a powerful reminder of his father's place in the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before him. Despite his grief, he found solace in the rituals of his faith, in the hymns that reminded him of his father's place among the saints. Or consider the experience of the woman who returned to church after her father's death. Growing up, she always sat between her parents at church. And on that day following her father's death, she said she could feel her father sitting next to her, teasingly nudging her, which was her, their special way of her father saying, I'm glad you're here with me. To this day, she shared that she still feels the presence of her dad to her left and her mom to her right. She felt the presence of her parents beside her, the ritual of sitting together in church, bringing a sense of comfort and closeness. The rituals that she shared with her parents continue to provide comfort even in their absence. A couple from my previous church that I served shared a story of returning to church after finding out that they were expecting a child after battling years of infertility. They said that the rituals of their faith gave them hope and patience during their struggles. And their return to church after receiving the good news was a joyful celebration of God's faithfulness. Friends of mine at a church in New Jersey shared a story that following their wedding, when they returned to their church, they felt celebrated by their community. Despite the challenges they faced as an LGBTQ couple in other churches, they found acceptance and love in their worshiping community. And the rituals of their church not only recognized their union, but celebrated it with joy and love. Another member shared that following 9-11, all she wanted to do was be with her girls and be at church. That service brought hope and comfort as everyone there grieved, knowing that God was there grieving with them. Here, in the ritual of community, all were brought comfort. And then finally, another member shared her first time back in church after her first child, her son, was born still. She remembers it coincided with Lent, and it felt comforting to find herself in a pew. She described that she never experienced a greater understanding or connection to the experience of sacrifice and loss together with the hope of resurrection. She identified with Mary, Jesus' mother, knowing that she too lost her son, and it all made it okay for her to just show up and weep. Each of these stories remind us of the power found in rituals. Whether we are celebrating a new union, grieving a loss, or sharing the long-awaited joy of a, a blessing, our rituals ground us in our faith. They connect us with our community. 
and they give us a reason to rejoice. The rituals that we partake in, whether they are joyous or challenging, allow us to rejoice in the knowledge that we are part of something greater than ourselves and that there is always hope for a weary world. In every seed that we plant, in every ritual that we partake in, there is an opportunity for a weary world to rejoice. Today and tonight, we will bid farewell to this year, and we will step into the unknown of this next year. As we reflect on the power of rooting ourselves in ritual, we must consider the significance of this moment. It is not a mere coincidence that we gather here on the first Sunday of Christmas, on the eve of a new year. The rituals that we embrace in our faith, the songs that we sing, the prayers that we offer, the community we find comfort in, all serve as anchors in our lives. They ground us, providing stability and meaning amidst the uncertainties of this world. And as we stand on the threshold of this new year, these rituals become even more vital. In this weary world, where chaos and change often reign, our rituals, rooted in the presence of Christ, offer us, offer us a sense of, of continuation and purpose. They remind us of the values that we hold dear, the love that we have for one another and the love that God has for, one, for each of us, and the faith that sustains us. They guide us in setting our priorities for the year ahead. So friends, my invitation for you this new year, as we embark on this journey as a community of faith, as we enter into this new exciting chapter as First Presbyterian Church of Allentown, of Allentown we must prioritize every ritual our community has. Each of us needs to commit to worship, to engaging in prayer and meditation, to nurturing the connections that we have within this church community, as well as the connections outside of this church community. These rituals will be the foundation upon which we build our lives in the coming year as individuals and as a community. In the weariness of this world, we can rejoice. We can rejoice by rooting ourselves in the rituals that unite us, that connect us to God and to one another. We embrace this truth as we step into this new year, knowing that with each ritual, we bring light into the darkness and hope into this weary world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's sermon podcast. 
We hope you'll join us for worship on Sunday morning. For more information about our congregation and our ministries, please contact the church office. Now go in peace.